Today is the final Sunday of this series that we have been calling uh, Under Construction. And so let's take just a moment and recap where we've been over the past uh, three or four weeks. We started off by talking about how as Christians, our lives are constantly under construction. We are always working to do better and to be better in a world that is not always a spiritual place. We looked at Paul's understanding of what he calls the human dilemma or the inner conflict when he says, I don't understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And so we know that sin is real. We all wrestle with it. We all have our character flaws and our shortcomings and our tendencies that we would like to change. And I think everybody in here could probably name something that they would like to change. And so the goal should be to work on those things and to try to do better each and every day. We've looked at the Enneagram and we've given a kind of an overview of the Enneagram as a starting point for spiritual growth. Every personality type is different and unique. We all have different backgrounds and different worldviews, different ways that we see and experience the world. And what the Enneagram does, I think, is it gives us a starting point for spiritual formation. And self-awareness is very, very important when it comes to our faith and when it comes to spiritual growth. Last Sunday, I talked about the difference between cultural Christianity and authentic discipleship. Uh, they are not the same thing. Uh, and I believe that Christ is calling us to a life of spiritual growth and transformation, but that always takes work and discipline. We talked about some of the obstacles that we all have to deal with as we seek to grow in our faith and in our spiritual life, including anger, shame, fear, busyness, conflict, stress, ego, and grief. All of these things are real, but they all show us why we need to be grounded spiritually. Because life is hard, and life is stressful, and life is busy, and if we neglect the spiritual life, then we will suffer the consequences. And as Christians, Jesus Christ sets the example for how we are to live, how we are to act, how we are to treat others. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus says this, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. He says, are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. In my class at, at Vanderbilt this fall, we've recently been looking at uh, Clayton Christensen's book called How Will You Measure Your Life? And if you recall, Christensen is a professor at Harvard Business School. He went there. He teaches innovation, specifically disruptive innovation. But um, he would go back to Harvard for his reunions and he would see his classmates and they were all successful. CEOs, CFOs, COOs, they had made lots of money. They were accomplished by the standards of this world. But, but he, here's what he also found. They didn't seem very happy. Some of them had been divorced multiple times. Some of them didn't have relationships with their children. Their children wanted nothing to do with them. All of their conversations were superficial. And so Christensen, who had battled cancer and a heart attack and a stroke, he made the decision 
that he was going to, in addition to teaching innovation, he was going to teach the education of character to his students at Harvard. Because basically, he's asking the question, what good is it to have all the success in your, personal, in your, in your professional life if your personal life is in shambles? What good is it to have all the money in the world if your children don't even want to talk to you? And so he made the decision to teach both, and he's been doing that ever since. And he wrote this book, How Will You Measure Your Life, is kind of a, 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 a piece that, that, demonstrated, uh, that demonstrated that. But remember the question that we raised last week, the question of Jesus. He says, what will it profit you to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? Or if he wanted to be more specific, he could have asked these questions. What good is it, is, is it to be ultra successful if you're arrogant and nobody wants to be around you? What good is it to work 75 hours a week if you never get to see your kids grow up? What good is it to have all the money in the world if you've burned bridges and thrown people under the bus to get there? What good is it to have your spouse in your life if you never spend time together and if you never tell them how much you love them? And Christensen found that it was just amazing how people could be so successful in their professional life, but absolutely fail when it came to the things that mattered most. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits, not you will know them by their success, not you will know them by their bank account, not you will know them by their connections, but you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by the way that they treat other people, the way that they live their life. Today I'd like to raise three questions and answer them. The first question is this, what is the heart of spiritual formation? The second question is, what are the spiritual disciplines and why do they matter? And the third question is what is the goal of spiritual formation and faith? And how do we know how we're doing? How do we gauge that? How do we judge that? So question one, what is the heart of spiritual formation? Jesus was very clear that the heart of spiritual formation is simply a matter of the heart. Let me say that again. The heart of spiritual formation is simply a matter of the heart. Think about that for a minute. Are you willing to do the difficult work of personal growth? Are you willing to take the log out of your own eye instead of always pointing out the speck in everybody else's eye? Are you willing to be intentional when it comes to practicing your faith? David Brooks says that character is built in the course of your inner confrontation. Character is a set of dispositions, desires, and habits that are slowly engraved during the struggle against your own weakness. You become more disciplined and more considerate and more loving through a thousand small acts of self-control and sharing and service and friendship and refined enjoyment. If you make disciplined, caring choices, you are slowly engraving certain tendencies into your mind. 
And as Christians, the example that we have to look to is Christ. Christ himself, the way he lived, the things he taught, the priorities he had, the heart of spiritual formation is simply a matter of the heart and whether or not we are willing to do the inner work that is necessary to live a better life. <clears throat> Second question, what are these spiritual disciplines and why do they matter? In the book that I recommended to go with the series by A.J. Sherrill, he actually walks us through not only the Enneagram, but the spiritual disciplines that are relevant to each personality type. In fact, he gives what he calls a downstream practice, which is what comes naturally to you, given your personality, and he gives an upstream practice, which are things that we need to be intentional about working on because it will make us better. It will make us work harder. So, so what does he say? I want to share this with you because I think it's very helpful. Let's start with eights, not because it's my number, because that's where he starts, right? Eights, the challenger, the downstream practice, regular opportunities to contend for the common good. So soup kitchens and fundraising and standing up for those who have no voice. The upstream spiritual practice is finding accountability partners and getting feedback from people that we trust, which also means that we have to listen to what they have to say. What about nines? The peacemaker. The downstream practice is time spent in nature, outside, on the path, walking, in the mountains, on the beach, at the lake. The upstream practice is a fixed time of prayer that happens on a regular basis. What about ones? What about the perfectionists? The downstream practice is going and walking in nature like the nines. The upstream practice is journaling, honest confession put on paper about your own imperfections and your own flaws. The twos, the helpers, the downstream practice is hospitality, opening up your home, giving, serving others. The upstream practice that twos should work on is centering prayer, a form of stillness that invites being overdoing. Remember, we are human beings and not human doings. What about threes? The achiever. The downstream practice is any type of goal-oriented spiritual growth. Read the Bible in a year. Accomplish that. Anything that you can show achievement, that's what comes naturally to threes. But the upstream practice for threes is honest confession. Confession to get in touch with what is underneath the surface that often gets neglected. For fours, the individualist, the downstream practice is solitude and journaling. That comes naturally to fours. But the upstream practice is feasting, not just to eat, drink, and be merry, but to cultivate joy and peace and thanksgiving with other people. What about fives, the investigator? The downstream practice is inductive Bible study, diving deep into the text. But the upstream practice is regular service projects, getting out and volunteering with your hands. What about the loyalists, the sixes? The downstream practice is singing and journaling. The upstream practice is memorizing scripture and then reciting it to anchor your soul and to keep you from worrying all the time. And lastly, the sevens, the enthusiasts. Downstream practice is feasting, 
parties, celebrating, being around other people, but the upstream practice for sevens is to find more time for solitude and for silence and take the time to look within because we don't do that in our very busy, constantly changing digital age. The bottom line is, whether you know your Enneagram number or not, there are many different spiritual disciplines and practices, and some of them will come more naturally to us than others, but they make a difference in our faith. Cheryl says, these practices are ways to initiate contact with God and yet surrender to God in order to be transformed by grace. And ultimately, that's what we want, is we want to be transformed. We want to be changed. We don't want to stay the same. Final question this morning. What is the goal of spiritual formation? What does success look like when it comes to faith and the spiritual life? <clears throat> now, obviously, this is going to be different for every person because all of us are unique. We all have different personalities. We all have different struggles. We all have different backgrounds. But the goal as Christians is to become more like Christ in our thoughts, words, and actions. But what does that mean? What does that mean? That's where the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. In Galatians 5, Paul says, what are the fruits of the Spirit? It's love. And it's joy. And it's peace and it's patience and it's kindness. And it's generosity and it's faithfulness and it's gentleness and it's self-control. These are the fruits. And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. This is what you can experience if you do the, the difficult inner work. And so I think we can ask these kinds of questions. Do I love others the way that I want to be loved? Do I experience joy in the little things of life, especially with my family and my close friends? Some people can live and never experience joy. Do I have a sense of inner peace that keeps me from getting rattled when things don't go my way? Am I patient with other people and in difficult circumstances, or do I get rattled and irritated easily? Am I kind to other people, even people who aren't kind to me? Am I generous with my time, my talent, and my treasure instead of being selfish and self-centered? Am I faithful in my devotion to God and in my spiritual growth? Do I read the Bible? Do I come to worship? Do I give sacrificially? Uh, do I pray? Am I gentle, especially in difficult conversations? And do I show self-control, especially when it comes to getting angry? According to the Apostle Paul, these are the fruits. This is the goal. Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. And this is what we can experience if we take spiritual formation seriously. If we understand that our lives are always under construction. That we have not arrived. We have not figured it all out. We have not reached the place where we need to be. But we must keep trying. And we must Remain committed to doing better, to being better, to living better, to loving better, to serving better. That's the goal. 
That's what it means to live spiritually and to grow in the Christian faith. And every single day, we have opportunities to do it. The question is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Amen.